it's not as simple as simply what the money was used for at the start. It's not as simple as what the money's being used for right now. It can actually change year to year. What's required is a year-on-year assessment of, based on the words of the legislation, and as a question of fact, is the outgoing incurred in the course of conducting some income-producing activity. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to episode 326 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. When you rent out your main residence, can you tax deduct your home loan? And if you can, can you still claim the six-year absence rule for the main residence exemption, so basically pay no CGT on the capital gain, but still claim the interest while you're renting it out? That is the question Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Melbourne will discuss with you in this episode. I guess the first comment that I'll make is there are little hard and fast rules regarding interest deductibility. You need to look at a few things, but those things that you look at, for example, what the money was originally used for, are just really shortcut methods that might help you apply the law in practice. It's actually a lot more complicated than simply just what did you borrow? What did you use the money for when you borrowed it? I'll start with an example, which I've taken from some ATO material, which I'll reference in a moment. So let's take an example of Bill is a computer programmer and he's offered a job in Darwin, decides to relocate his family there. He borrows 200000 from the bank and purchases a house in Darwin. This is clearly an old example because uh, everyone would know that it's impossible to buy a house for $200,000 in Australia. But bear with me with the example. He borrows $200,000 from the bank, purchases a house, makes monthly payments, and uh, two years later, the balance is $186,000. Bill then receives a $50,000 windfall, and he decides to use the money to pay off his home loan, reducing the balance to $136,000. Bill's then offered a job in Perth, takes the job and relocates his family, decides to rent out the house in in Darwin and borrows to purchase a new residential property in Perth. Bill redraws $50,000 from the Darwin loan and uses it as a deposit for the new home in Perth. So question, what can Bill deduct? What part of the, well, can Bill deduct some of the interest, all of the interest? none of the interest because what we've had here is bills originally borrowed money for the use of for the purpose of buying a house in darwin to live in circumstances have changed he got some money along the way used it to pay some of the loan off and then he relocated to perth rented out the darwin property and then borrowed some more money from the bank to purchase property in perth I don't know the answer because I think there are two schools of thought. One of them is you can't change the purpose of the loan. You borrowed the 200000 to buy a main residence. Hence, once a main residence, it's kind of always a main residence. That was the original purpose of the loan. And that, I think, was the position that was taken in the last episode we did about this. So that's one school of thought. And I think the other school of thought is 
that while you use the asset for an income-producing purpose, you can tax deduct all the costs you're incurring and the bank loan is part of the cost. And then I think it also matters whether the 50000 he originally paid off, whether that went into an offset account or whether that was actually paid directly into the loan account and hence he did a proper redraw of the loan. But I actually don't know the answer. A really good summary of the, of the competing arguments. The answer to this question in the, in the eyes of this particular ruling, uh, this is an example in a ruling, is that Bill can deduct the interest on the loan balance of $136,000. So in other words, the balance of the loan just after he, he paid off the $50,000 that 136,000 is related to the Darwin house from the date that the property is available for rental. So those borrowed funds are used at that time for an income producing purpose and is deductible despite the fact that the loan was originally not for income producing purposes. Does it matter whether the 50,000 goes into an offset account or does it directly go into the loan itself? Yeah, so to come to the 50,000 in this example, in this example, I've assumed that the borrowing was a redraw. So in other words, loan is paid down, liability is paid down, and then liability is increased. So, so what's called a redraw. The ATO say that a redraw, even though it's one liability in a sense, it's just a number adding to another number, they need to be treated as separate. So therefore, we need to assess, well, the purpose or, or why the 50000 was borrowed. And if the 50000 was borrowed for use as a deposit on a main residence, the, the Perth property, then the interest on the 50000 will not be deductible. That's in the example of a redraw situation. Exactly. And if Bill had not put it into the loan itself and then requiring a redraw, but had put it into an offset account, then the full 186000 would be tax deductible because the 50000 never really hit the loan account as such. It was just in a separate account and it was just an arrangement with the bank that it basically is covered through an offset arrangement. But the um, offset account doesn't really count as part of the loan, correct? Yeah, that's correct. So I guess it's important just to briefly touch on what an offset account really is from a legal perspective. Because we talk about offset accounts and what they are really is just a savings account. You, let's say you've got a million dollar loan and $200,000 in, in cash in an offset account. So from an accounting perspective, you have a million dollar liability and you have $200,000 as an asset. They are not linked in any legal sense. You don't put them together as one. They are just two separate assets. The link is that the amount of interest that's charged on the loan is $1 million less 200,000 in that example. That point's relevant not only for this interest deductibility point, it's also relevant for small business CGT concessions when doing maximum net asset value calculations because you could have money parked in an offset account against your main residence and the money parked in the offset would count towards your $6 million test. So in the example of money being put into an offset account, the underlying borrowing hasn't hasn't changed. It would be the same as putting money into any other bank account. 
So treat the offset account as a separate savings account that can work in your favor as it would have had in this example, or it can work against you when you are looking at the 6 million net asset value test. Yeah. So that example that I gave was from TR2000 slash two, and it's example two at paragraph 61. So the ATO in that example does confirm that even if a loan was obtained firstly for private purposes, the asset becomes income producing, then the loan is deductible from that point. The ATO also state that where you're considering redraws, they need to each be assessed independently of each other. So going back to basics, I always like to start with basics because if you don't start with the law, then you might not be in a solid foundation. We've got to go back to section eight dash one as we, as we often do. <laughs> so uh, interest cost is, is a loss or outgoing. So therefore it can be deducted if it is incurred in gaining or producing your accessible income or necessarily incurred in carrying on a business for the purpose of gaining or producing accessible income. The two main um, negative limbs in this case are that you cannot claim a deduction if a loss or outgoing is of capital or of capital nature, or is, if it is a loss or outgoing of a private or domestic nature. So in other words, we need a loss or outgoing. It needs to have a link to either a business or accessible income, and it can't have a link to capital, private, domestic nature things. The payment for the house is very much a capital purchase. And so while you can't tax deduct the capital purchase as such, you can tax deduct the financing costs of a capital purchase. Exactly right. So that principle was stated in Steele's case, which is a case from a federal court decision from 1997 and then went on appeal to, to the High Court 1999. And what that case confirms is that interest is a payment to secure the use of borrowed funds for, for the duration of the term. It doesn't ordinarily secure any enduring or structural advantage. And if money is borrowed to purchase a capital asset, it doesn't mean that the interest expense is of capital or of a capital nature. There are some very limited exceptions in some mainly banking-related situations. There's a there's a St. George case where St. George needed to do some things to address it, its own capital adequacy inside the bank. But outside of very unusual situations like that, then, then interest is almost never an outgoing of capital or of a capital nature. So we can we can more or less cross off capital. that capital part. The next question is when do we meet? either the first or second limb, and how is that determined? The principle is the character of interest is usually determined by the purpose to which the borrowing is being applied. So generally, you assess the purpose of the borrowing and you determine that from the use of the borrowed funds. So in other words, Borrowed funds are used to purchase an investment property that generates income. 
then the interest is deductible. If it's used to buy a residential property for private use, then it's not deductible. Pretty clear and pretty um, simple in those situations where uh, I don't think there's any contra- controversy on any of those principles. Yes, but the question is, is the purpose determined at one point in time when you take out the loan or is the evaluation what the purpose of the loan is an ongoing thing that can change with time? That's a really good point because there are a number of interesting cases concerning interest deductibility, one of which is where the income earning activities have ceased. So in other words, money has been borrowed and that money has ultimately been lost through the the business that was being carried on. Let's take a situation where a borrowing has been obtained and the money has been put to use in a business and the business activities have now ceased. The business went belly up and, and it's closed down. There's still a loan liability and there's still interest being charged. Now, if we were to apply that strict, what is the money used for, we could get quite interesting situations. If we always considered, well, what was the money originally used for? That could be one approach. Or or do we need to have it uh, that income is still being produced? So is it sort of a live and breathe type test? Do we assess it each year based on what's coming in or not? And, And clearly, if the business had ceased, then if you took that approach, you may have a problem. What a case, a decision in the federal court called Brown says. So what Brown's case involved was exactly that situation where money had been borrowed and a business failed. And the question was whether the continuing interest charges were deductible. And the full federal court in that case said that, yes, the the interest was still deductible. And that's also cited by the ATO in uh, tax ruling 2004 slash four. So this is a situation where there's there's no income coming in anymore, but the, the loan can still be assessed by, by virtue of why the money was, was borrowed in the first place. Yes, and that never changed, even though the money was lost. The purpose of the loan never changed. It's just unfortunate that it didn't have the desired outcome. Yes, yes. Now, in Brown's case, it's important to note the taxpayer genuinely could not and genuinely had problems repaying the loan. In my research and preparation for today, I did note circumstances where taxpayers have tried to push this principle quite far. So, for example, let's say a million dollars was borrowed and, and business failed, but I've got some other assets on the side and I've, and I've got a million dollars sitting there, let's say, and I, I, don't, I just decide, well, I'll just leave that loan on foot, keep getting my interest deductions and I'll, I'll use the money for something else, maybe like a residential mortgage, for example. There, there are limits to that principle. So it can't go on forever, but it is an acknowledgement that it's not as simple as just what's the money used for right now. As we saw from that example that I went through with Perth and Darwin, it's also not as simple as what was the money used for at start because if it was about what the money was used for at start, then that, that loan could never be deductible because it was originally used for buying a property that the taxpayer lived in. 
The best summary that I can give of this is a comment made by Justice Hill, who was a very famous tax judge in Kidston Gold Mines Limited, which is a 1991 case. What he said in that case was ordinarily the purpose of the borrowing will be ascertained from the use to which the borrowed funds were put. However, a rigid tracing of funds will not always be necessary or appropriate. And another example of that is a principle called the refinancing principle, which was discussed in great lengths in a case by the name of Roberts. So the refinancing principle was discussed in quite a lot of detail in, in Roberts' case from 1992. What happened in that case was it concerned a partnership of solicitors. The partnership was undergoing a transaction where some partners would come into the partnership. There was, there was some changes in the partners to the partnership. As part of those arrangements, the partnership borrowed some of money from a bank and it used the money to repay partnership contributions. So in other words, money is borrowed from the bank and then money was used to repay the partners. So if we were to adopt that strict, well, what's the purpose of this money? Well, the purpose of borrowing this money is to, is to repay the partners of the partnership. Yes, but there will be capital. Yes, it would either be capital or of a private or domestic nature or, or, or just not having anything to do with producing accessible income. But what the court said in that case was that that was deductible. It was the same as any business borrowing money to pay another loan that it had. So it was an ordinary activity, an ordinary business activity where uh, a partnership is free to borrow from one source to repay liabilities to another source. Yeah, fair point. Instead of borrowing from the partners, the partnership could also have taken out a bank loan. Yeah, and the same principle can apply to companies as well. Although Robert's case concerned a partnership, it could be a company wanting to borrow and then repay shareholder loan accounts or vendor finance purchase price or something of that nature. So again, if you, if you were to apply that strict purpose test, then it probably wouldn't be deductible. The best summary of is, again, in Justice Hill's judgment from Kidston Gold Mines, which says that the concepts of the use to which funds are put and of subjective purpose are useful in determining the deductibility of interest. So they're, they're useful tools. It's ultimately a question of fact, and there's a danger in uh, substituting the words of the legislation for language that doesn't appear in the legislation. So that's why I always go back to what does the legislation say? Here, we look at an interest outgoing, we need to look at it year on year, and we need to look at whether that interest outgoing is incurred in the course of some income producing activity or some business. So to summarize, it's not as simple as simply what the money was used for at the start, It's not as simple as what the money is being used for right now. It can actually change year to year. What's required is a year-on-year -year assessment of, based on the words of the legislation, 
And as a question of fact, is the outgoing incurred in the course of conducting some income producing activity? And so that means you can tax deduct your home loan when you rent out your home. Absolutely. Absolutely correct. And that's confirmed by the ATO in tax ruling 2000 slash two. What's less clear is the example that we touched on earlier with, with the example of money being put into an offset account. In the case of money being put into an offset account and then being taken back out of that account, those transactions really have nothing to do in one sense with, with the interest that's being incurred. The only connection they have to that is by reducing, right, by removing money from an offset account the interest charge is increasing because that offset mechanism is no longer going to apply. I wasn't able to find anything specifically either way on whether or not those sort of examples would be okay or not okay. But when I go back to the principles and particularly the comments from, from Justice Hill in the Kildston Gold Mines case, it makes it pretty clear that it's a question of fact for each particular situation. And I think there would be some good arguments that in, in those, those offset type situations, the interest could still be deductible. Yes. If you then take the 50000 back out and it was in an offset account, then yes, you can tax deduct the interest. But if you put it in, I mean, it basically comes back to what we said before, doesn't it? If the 50000 went into the offset account, then all is fine. Bill can tax deduct the full 186000 interest. If the 50000 went directly into the loan, then he can only tax deduct interest on the 136000 Quite right. For completeness, I thought I'd just mention there is a tax ruling on loan account offset arrangements. From 1993, it's it's tax ruling 93 slash 6. Unfortunately, it doesn't really say anything that's particularly helpful <laughs> <laughs> other than the fact that the income tax deduction, which might be claimed, is limited to the interest that's actually paid or payable. That might be a pretty basic point, but the ATO do say in that ruling that if you're using an offset, then the interest is going to be limited to the amount of interest actually charged under that arrangement. But there's yes. nothing else particularly helpful in that tax ruling. And it might be because yes. it's back in 1993 and loan offset accounts weren't, weren't as um, commonplace as they are now. There's several other cases which, which say similar things. I've, I've cited the main ones. Just one more example is a case called S-P-A-S-S-K-E-D. Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce that, uh, but it's a 2007 full federal court case. What it says is, again, the issue of deductibility of interest is a question of fact in respect of the year or years of income for which it's determined. Moreover, it is clear that the relevant factual considerations can change over the term of the loan so that the facts relevant to the criteria for deductibility in one year will not necessarily mirror those in another year. The case goes on to cite Justice Hill, as I've done multiple times in this uh, podcast already. Let's say Bill goes to Perth for four years and then comes back and claims the six-year absence rule on the house in Darwin, and so hence wants to claim the full main residence exemption. Does that affect his ability to tax deduct the interest in any way? I don't believe so. So the, the six-year rule that you're referring to is when an asset becomes your main residence, 
and you cease to use it as your main residence, so in the example, living in a place in Darwin and, and you move to Perth, then there's a choice that can be made to, to continue to treat that property as your main residence. If accessible income is produced, the property produces accessible income, then that choice can only be made for a maximum period of six years. And if income is not produced, then it could potentially be made indefinitely. You could have a property sitting vacant for 30 years uh, and still apply the, the quote-unquote six-year rule. So if it's used to produce income, then it's a maximum of six years. So in that example, you're away for four years, it's used to produce accessible income. The absence rule will allow you to continue to treat that property as your main residence for that period. And it doesn't affect your main residence exemption. The only thing that might affect your main residence exemption is that you can't, of course, have two main residences generally other than for very, very small periods of time. So if there was a place six being rented in Perth, yeah, six months, yeah. So if the place is being rented in Perth, no problems. Good. So that basically means the main residence exemption and the six-year absence rule basically run separate from the question of interest deductibility. So it means you can tax deduct the interest even though you will claim the main residence exemption all the way through. They don't exclude each other. Yeah, and it could even be that the interest deduction is greater than the rent. It could be negatively geared as well. Yeah, when I did my research, I mean, you know, even for us, when we bought a property in Melbourne and then we moved to Sydney and rented out the place in Melbourne, I was thinking, yeah, we claimed the interest on that. Like, of course, that's deductible. And then I had to find, eventually found the ATO confirming that that's the case, which was like, mm, that's good. Because otherwise the position's just like, it would mean that to take that to its extreme, as long as the loan's originally for income producing purposes, then doesn't matter in the future if it's not because that's the flip side of the principle yeah like exactly. you, you have it as an investment property and then oh you start living in it but you still get a deduction for the interest like it would be just as nonsensical welcome back so tr2000-2 is your backup when you want to tax deduct your home loan, specifically example two in paragraph 61, there the ATO confirms that you can tax deduct the interest on a home loan you originally took out for a main residence, so you can repurpose a home loan. Next Monday, we cover duplex development with Andrew Andreev of Andreev Lawyers in Sydney. But before that, tomorrow, in an additional third episode for this week, Let's do a brainstorming session about duplex development with Andrew Henshaw of Velocity Legal in Melbourne. So until tomorrow, thank you for listening and thank you to class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode. Bye.